Now, one word that I really would say defines our current culture more than anything else is the word information. Um, culture, we, we, we have different ages that we've, you know, industrial age, information age, different things like that. And we've, we've called this age the technology age, the digital age, the media age. I, I would call it the age of information because we have information coming at us all the time like mock speed. 24 you know, hours a day, seven days a week, we're just getting bombarded with information. Um, some of you may not realize this, but, but the internet uh, was actually uh, really developed and, and put out there in 1969. It was actually called the ARPANET. And um, some of you are thinking, well, I thought Al Gore developed the internet. And he was only 21 years old at Vanderbilt when this took place. But anyways, when, when it was out there, when it first came out, it was designed to uh, have for uh, computers to share information, for networks to be able to share with like a major net, uh, one network or something like that. And so it, it, it evolved, and obviously in 1989, it just went into hyperspace when all of a sudden we were introduced to the World Wide Web. And, and up until that point in 1989, we got all of our information about the world from TV news channels and newspapers and magazines or some of you, you know, just from your neighbor sitting on the front porch or at a diner or a restaurant or something like that. And I remember being in school in the 70s and 80s, and we actually, when we had to write our term papers and things like that, we actually went to this place called the library. Um, it's this big building with books. And, uh, and I remember even in elementary school being taught how to use the library, and we had a card catalog system. And you, you know what I'm talking about? And this guy named Dewey, and, and I didn't even know who he was really till last week, and I, I Googled him. Uh, Melvin Dewey, 17, or 1876, developed the Dewey Decimal System, where all of books in libraries were put into 10 different categories. And so you opened up the card catalog, and then you found the number, and you went to the, you know, that different section. And that's how we ad- actually ha- had to write books. And then I remember, you know, as information developed, even back in the 70s, there was something um, called CB radio. Remember that? And truckers used CB radios for a long time, and then all of a sudden we got to buy them from Radio Shack and other places like that. And everybody had their own little handle. And, and I used to get on, as a middle schooler, and just mess with truckers on CB radio. Um, but it was just funny, you know, you know, 10 for good buddy. Hey, what's your 1020? And all these numbers that started with 10. And, and I think truckers still use them. We don't. But then I remember back in the early 90s, when I first got into, into, into ministry, um, I, we, had, we got our first desktop computer, and, and it was like all of a sudden, now I've got access to the World Wide Web. It was like information was at my fingertips like never before, and it was insane. And when we moved here in 1997, I got my first laptop computer, and it was a Toshiba satellite. Matter of fact, everything about Westridge Church was on that one little laptop computer, and that's really all, all those files with floppy disks and all that stuff. It was crazy. But in order, I remember trying to figure out how to send email. Because if you remember back at that time, um, if you, in order to send an email, you had to get on the internet. And we had this thing called AOL. And you had to, like, get on it and then it dialed. And then hopefully you got on it. It didn't kick you off. But it took forever to get on it. And as soon as you got on it, you heard this voice that said this. You got mail. Some of you thought, well, no, that's a movie. No, that actually is from that. Okay, so... But it made life so much easier because now, you know, words are being, you know, we could share words so much easier. It made the flow of information so much faster. You could break up with your girlfriend face, whether, you know, whether you used to have to do it face to face, now you could do it through email, and, uh, which, which people do that. But along the same time, people started getting cell phones. And I remember 
Um, when Amy and I got married in 1992, our very first cell phone was in a bag. And it was in our car. And you had to plug it into your car charger in order to use it. Nobody walked around with a bag on, up to their ear. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, we got these little tiny cell phones that, that you could use. And then the flip phone came out. And, and then all of a sudden, we were able, instead of talking face-to-face or even voice-to-voice, you could actually tell people off by texting them. And, and then something happened in 2004 that even took things to a whole nother level. The Facebook was, was, was developed. And, and, and then all of a sudden, we were connected to each other like never before. We could see pictures and photos of, of, of each other's vacations and high school and college friends were now reconnecting after years of not seeing each other and married people started reconnecting with old girlfriends and boyfriends on Facebook and, and, and we could now post our, our thoughts and feelings for everyone to read and now it's like everybody had a voice. If you had an opinion about anything, you could put it on your wall. You could friend people and you could now defriend people on Facebook and, and you could make everyone think that your life was great and, and, and everything was wonderful by sharing only what you wanted people to see, only the wonderful pictures of your family and, and your vacations. And it was like now, you know, the world thought that every vacation you ever took was the best ever and every photo made everyone look like they were having the time of their lives. And, and while this is going on, information is, is, is just flowing faster than ever. And during that time, you had something called MySpace, which came and then kind of went down like this. And people were starting to become uh, very popular on blogs and, you know, writing information that's being shared out there. And then something else happened in 2006. And this is where I'm going to lose a lot of you adults. Um, Twitter came, came on board. And, and now we could say anything we wanted to as long as it, as it was in within 140 characters. And I was, I got on Twitter in 2008. I was actually just one of the first pastors that kind of got on board with Twitter, where now you can share, you know, information with people, you know, thousands of people, and it it was really amazing. And then something happened in 2010, which a lot of our students are really into, and it's called Instagram. And some of you are going, I have no idea what you're talking about. But now you could share pictures, and you could actually, you can have an, and there's apps out there where you can now doctor yourself, your appearance to make you look better than you've ever looked before. You don't even need plastic surgery. Because now you can make your hair darker. You can give yourself more hair. Um, you, can, you can have slimmer hips. Uh, you can have bigger, brighter eyes. You can t- remove any kind of blemishes or zits or anything like that off your face. And we can share every pic of every vacation, uh, every school event that our kids go to, every prom, every anniversary date. And it's the best it's ever been all the time. And then in 2011, and this is where, honestly, they, they lost me was with Snapchat. Now, the Snapchat, don't correct me because I'm just doing the best I can up here, okay? Snapchat is like you, you take a picture and it disappears within seconds. But then you also can screenshot it, but it sends a message back to the person that they screenshotted your picture and it, it becomes weird then. But with all of this information at our fingertips through devices called smartphones, we've also adopted this whole new language And we have, you know, now we have social media and we're surfing the web through browsers and we have tweets and retweets and we have, we can share images and words and and when we share things, things go viral and we have this whole world where we can now friend people and unfriend people and we have, we can Google things. I remember thinking that was really weird when I first saw it, Google. And we now have selfies, you know, and that's a whole crazy little deal. And we have apps now who can tell us who followed us and we have apps who can... We can tell us secretly who unfollowed us. 
and we have likes. And so the big thing is how many likes did my tweet get? How many likes did my Facebook post get? Or, you know, this and that. So like never before, information is flying at us at speeds that are almost too great to handle. Voices are constantly speaking into our lives from all over the world that, that we wouldn't even have listened to or have had access to years ago. And sometimes it's just people that we've never met before. And these are voices that are shaping our self-images and, and, and shaping our worldview and shaping our personalities and shaping our theology and even shaping, in some cases, our destinies. Because some of the voices are, are really saying good, positive, challenging, truthful, uplifting inspiring things. I mean, we're now able to, to access challenging, solid biblical sermons like never before, where we can, we can download books and articles and, that are helping us to grow as people. Um, some of the voices that are out there in social media are actually really uplifting and, and, and encouraging and inspiring, and you can share Bible verses with people, or you can, up, you can, you can put out uplifting quotes for, that will inspire people throughout the day, and we share, you know, we even share pictures about people and or, or on birthdays and anniversaries and we get a chance to, to to say kind things to people and encourage people like never before things that build people up and people you know they say things we still say things to each other's faces we still do that 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 that's encouraging and uplifting people still motivate us by not only not just social media but 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 still speaking truth and inspiring us and speaking truth into our lives but there's other voices out there that just rip us down and tear us apart and they rip away at our self-esteem and they make us feel worthless and they make us feel less than. And some of those voices are actually lying to us. And here's what some of those voices are just constantly saying. Because again, the information's flying and the voices are out there and they never stop speaking. Ever. And some of those voices have made you feel like you're not good enough. Or no one will ever love you. Or God has forgotten about you. Or you'll never measure up to so-and-so, whoever so-and-so is. Or you need to have these things to, feel you, to, you know, to make you feel significant or important or successful. Or because someone else has it, you're entitled to it and someone needs to give it to you. Or as you look at pictures and all the stuff that's out there, you know, you've come to the impression as the voices are talking to you that your shape's not right. That you're not big enough. That you're not small enough. That you don't look good enough. That you don't measure up. That you'll never be talented enough. If you're single, you know, the voices are saying that if you're single past a certain age, then maybe there's something wrong with you. Or as you're looking at all the things that are out there and the voices are talking, you need to accomplish more. Your vacations aren't good enough. People have a better life than you. They have a more appealing wife than you do or a more appealing husband than you do. Or, and there, there's voices out there that are communicating things about God that are actually lies. And the truth is the information and the voices never stop. And these voices are always speaking and people are always saying things to us. And some of it, they say, they're saying it to our face directly. Some of it indirectly. Some of it's coming through emails and texts and tweets and this and that. Some of it's just random. But the all-important question we have to ask ourselves is whose voice are we going to ultimately listen to? With all these voices that are out there that are shaping us, Whose voice are we going to listen to? Because we only have capacity to take in so much information. So whose voice are, are we going to allow to take up that shape? And how do we control and manage those voices? Because here's the truth. Your life will be a reflection of the voices that you listen to and then how you allow them to impact your life. These voices 
as they're flying around and you're, you're processing all of the things that you're hearing and listening to and seeing, they're going to determine the course of your day. They determine the, your school experiences, your work experiences, how you process through relationships, what you think about God, what you think of, you know, they, they shape your emotions. And ultimately, if you allow them to, they will shape the course of your life. Now, before I go any further, I want to specifically just mention the main voices that are speaking into your life right now. One very clearly is God. And you're here today, and hopefully that's what's happening. Another one is Satan. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment and how he impacts the third one, culture. And then the fourth one, just other people. Whether it's directly, indirectly, however that happens. And then one of the most powerful voices is just simply you. Now, let's talk about how these voices communicate and how this information is being shaped and how it's being formed and how it's being sent your way. So who is it that's really speaking into your life? Well, Jesus, in John chapter 10, and if you want to get your Bibles and turn there, He talks a little bit about how he is communicating with us as his followers. He calls himself a shepherd. He communicates to us as sheep. And then he he compares the way that he communicates and relates to us with the way that Satan communicates and relates to, to the world in general. And he says in John chapter 10 verse 1, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus speaking, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and then he leads them out. When he has brought brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, I want to mention a few things about how God communicates to us and, and how he speaks to us based on what Jesus has just told us here. First of all, he speaks to us very directly and very clearly, mainly through his word. Very straightforward. And his, and his words never change. John chapter 10 verse 1 says, He comes through the front door of our lives. His voice is clear. It's recognizable. It's true. It's loving. He actually knows us by name and he calls to us and leads us through life. John 10, 10, if you look a little further, we, re, we see that his words bring us life. It says, I came, Jesus says, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, What exactly is abundant life? Because there's a lot of definitions out there. We actually use the words abundant life in our mission statement here at Westridge. The abundant life is not a pain-free life. It's not a life void of trouble or even suffering. But it's also not a life that's dull and lifeless. It's not a miserable existence that squashes all of our potential. But it's a life full of meaning and purpose as we walk with him, as we follow our shepherd. That's the, that's the life that God leads us toward, at, towards as we follow him, as we listen to his voice. Now, there are a few things about how Satan speaks to us. He, he's very sneaky and deceptive. John ch- chapter 10, verse 1 says, the thief climbs over the wall. Doesn't come through the front door of our lives. Doesn't, he, he climbs over the wall of the sheep pen to get to us. Or he comes, sneaks through the back door. He's, he's very deceptive. He's very sneaky. We also see that his words are meant to suck the life out of us, to actually destroy us. John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he comes only to do. And you've heard me say before that, that Satan doesn't have to destroy you to be effective. All he has to do is distract you, and he can be just as effective. Now, there are a few things about how culture is speaking to us. 
And one of the things we need to understand about culture, the world outside, is that culture is heavily influenced by Satan. And the Bible says that Satan is a liar. By his very nature, he's a liar. John chapter 8, verse 44 says, He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So if Satan is a liar and he's heavily influencing culture, then what kind of words are much of culture feeding us? Lies. Deception. Very sneaky stuff. Words that suck the life out of us. And we need to realize that with that, culture shapes how we feel about ourselves. And we're all born with, this, this, with a need to feel loved, to feel accepted, to feel like, like we matter. That we're worth something. That, that, that our life is mattering for something. And the voice of culture speaks very heavily into whether you feel loved, whether you feel accepted, whether you, you matter, or whether you feel like you have self-worth. And here's, here's how this all plays out in many of our lives, especially on so, social media. We look and go, well, how many likes did my picture get? And we put our self-worth and we connect it to that. Or how many retweets did we get? Or how many people actually opened my Snapchat? Or how many likes or comments did I get on my Facebook post? Or how many followers do I have? Or how many people unfollowed me this past week? And we are connecting our self-image and our worth to all of those things, these voices. Now, not everything, is, not everything in, in social media, in, even in culture, is bad. And not everything out there is being shaped by Satan. I mean, we have, obviously, a lot of social media presence here at Westridge Church, and our goal is to, is to be a light, is to encourage people, to pour life into your life. It's a tool for us to be able to do that. But before social media, it was newspapers and magazines. Before we had apps that could change our appearances, people could still do that through airbrushing. Make women skinnier and sexier through airbrushes. And, but, but again, these voices that are out there, they have been speaking to us from the, from the time that time began. But here's the truth. Your life will be a reflection of the voices you listen to and how you allow them to impact you. Now, there are a few other things also about how people speak to us. Now, there's some things that people say to us that are just neutral. Do you want waffle fries with that chicken sandwich? That's neutral. Um, other people speak life-giving things. Well, you know, that's actually kind of life-giving to me, actually. You want waffle? I do. It brings me life. Because um, I love those fries. But... There are people that speak life-giving words into our lives, and there are people that speak life-draining things into our life. One of the things that a lot of our students were dealing with at Rush Camp, which I actually kind of caught me by surprise, and I guess it's been going on for a while, but it was certainly happening this past week, was a lot of criticism coming from outside camp on social media about Rush Camp. And I thought, well, that's cool. There's a lot of people around our community that are taking notice of the fact that there's 800 people down at Daytona Beach worshiping God. But a lot of criticism was coming in, and a lot of our students were throwing, you know, not necessarily attacking, but trying to defend. And so we had to take a moment and talk about that, and talk about how how do we deal with criticism. Now, I know that none of you get criticized. You never, it's just them, and and it's just me. We all deal with criticism, don't we? We all deal with how we process voices and information, and sometimes, even if we're not being criticized directly, we take it as criticism, even even if it's indirectly. So how do you deal with it? Well, here's what you do. You have to look at who it is that's criticizing you. Because you're always dealing, no matter what's going on, you're dealing with one of three kinds of people. You're dealing with a wise person, a foolish person, or an evil person. 
And here's how you know the difference. A wise person um, is, is somebody who, that when you speak truth into their life, they adjust according to that truth that you've just spoken into their life. You shine a light on them and they go, I'm going to adjust to the light. A, a foolish person is somebody, when you shine the light of truth into their life, they always take the light and push it somewhere else. They, ca- they push it and blame someone else. They, they, they never take responsibility. An evil person, they're just evil. So when we look at a wise person, what, what you... you and, and somebody's criticizing you and you say, well, this is a wise voice speaking to, into my life. The question we need to ask is, what can I learn from this criticism? What's my takeaway? What adjustments do I need to make? Now, when a foolish person is just speaking criticism and they're just throwing it out into our lives, whether it's face-to-face or, or through a tweet or whatever that looks like, well, here's what we need to remember. Proverbs 26.4, and Proverbs talks a lot about wise and foolish people. It says, don't answer foolish arguments of fools or you will become as foolish as they are and and with something like twitter you will never win an argument on twitter especially with only 140 characters and don't mess with people on comment sections of blogs and articles because it's insanity i don't care what it is you know you could you could put an article out there about how the grass is green and people start commenting and and about four or five comments down it goes south people start arguing and fighting with each other over what color the grass is and what kind the grass is. And it's like, really? And so you just, you, you just you have to learn to manage and avoid that stuff. Because all of a sudden, without even realizing it, you become as foolish as they are. But you have to determine how much of your life you're going to allow foolish voices to consume. Because they will never stop taking and they are never satisfied. And you have only so much emotional energy to give in a day. And then there's a lot of voices out there that are just evil. And, and there, there are voices that are seriously spiritually depraved. And 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, they will never understand the things of God without Christ in their life. So here's the, here's the challenge. Why waste our time? Why waste the precious energy you, that God's given you, the emotional capacity that God's given you, listening or engaging their criticism? Why let their words attempt to shape your life? Now, here's a warning. I'm going I'm to give you a little warning about all the voices that are out there. 1 Timothy chapter 4 talks about in the last days there's going to be a lot of false teachers who follow teachings that come from demons. That's what it says. You say, how do I know? Well, here's how you know. When you listen to a pastor, are they teaching straight truth from the Bible? Not just the easy verses, but the tough ones. Are they talking about sin? Are they talking about repentance? Are they talking about heaven and hell? Do they preach the message of the gospel, the clear message, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus? Do they preach that salvation comes through, 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 by, by grace and, and through faith in Jesus, not by works? Because when you start hearing works added to any salvation, you know you've got false doctrine going on out there. And so we have to, we have to be on guard, especially as parents, on whose voice we're going to allow to shape us and speak into our lives spiritually and especially into the lives of our children and our students. Now here's, here's something about your own voice. It never stops speaking. Some of you go, I have voices in my head. Well, we all do. Very powerful, very powerful voice that's constantly saying things to you. And it's normally shaped by the other voices that you're allowing into your head. And it's one of the most powerful voices that's currently shaping your life. And the question is, what is your voice currently saying to you? Is it speaking truth or is it speaking lies? Because your own voice will be shaped by the other voices we allow ourselves to listen to. 
And we have to be asking ourselves constantly as we're exposing ourselves to information, regardless of where it's coming from, is it life-giving or is it life-draining? Is this bringing me closer to Christ or is it leading me away from Christ? Because again, your life will be a reflection of the voices you listen to and how you allow them to impact your life. So what do I do with all these voices speaking to me? Because they, I, you're right, Brian, they never stop. It's like information's flowing like never, like never before. So what do I do? Here's what you do. First thing, you run all these voices through a filter. Every voice, first of all, that is speaking to you needs to be run through the filter of God's word. And here's what you need to look at. As the voices are coming, some of it's just neutral stuff, but, but as it's coming into your mind, as it's coming to you, and you, as you're reading it, hearing it, whatever, it's being spoken to you, is it true? Is what this voice saying to me or about me true according to scripture? Is it speaking truth into my life? Whether it's friends, whether it's social media, whether you're listening to a pastor on TV. I don't care what he looks like or how nice his voice sounds. Is, it, is he speaking truth? Every voice that's speaking to me needs to be run through that filter first. Is it, is it coming, what is it? Is it filters through God's word? Is it true? And then every voice speaking to me or you gets run through the filter of those that love me the most, are honest with me, and have my best interest in mind. And I'm so thankful for my wife. She's the most honest person in my life, right? I mean, I have elders who are incredibly honest here, and I meet with three of those guys every single month. We've been meeting at the same restaurant, same table, same waitress for about four or five years, and um, we pretty much order the same thing. But these are guys who, they honestly are, they're just honest with me about my life. They actually help me to discern some of the voices of criticism, voices speaking into my life, and sometimes they'll go, dial that one in, dial that one out. There's also moments where my wife will sit there and she'll go, are you seriously going to let that voice shape what you think right now? I'll just tell you, there have been moments where my boys will go, seriously, Dad? You're going to let that critic shape what you think right now? Impact how you feel? And sometimes I have to go, yeah, you guys, you're right. I'm not going, I'm going to run it through the filter. Those that love me most have my best in mind are honest with me. Now, why is, this, why is this so important? Because your life will be a reflection of the voices you listen to and how you allow them to impact you. So you run them through a filter. Then you dial the good ones in and you dial the bad ones out. Now, here's how I know I'm listening to a good voice. Again, is it truthful? Good, bad, is it honest with me? Does it have my best in mind? Does it seek to build me up or tear me down? Is it giving me life or is it draining me? The Bible says, Jesus says, I came to give life where Satan wants to drain. He wants to destroy and kill. And there are moments, I'm going to be very vulnerable with you for a moment. There are moments where I have to know when to dial voices out of my life, even if they're not bad voices. Sunday nights, I'm exhausted from speaking. Usually around 6, 7 o'clock at night on Sunday night, I'm just like, And I'm either going to get online and look at what everybody said about my Sunday morning message or open up email, and if there's criticism or emails that come in, good, bad, or ugly. And listen, even good ones can be bad because I'm sitting there going, give me some affirmation. I need it. (laughs) Or the critic who's, you know, whatever that looks like. And I have to go, you know what, I'm shutting all of this off because emotionally I can't handle any of it. I'm going to give my best emotional energy to my boys and my wife who need me the most. So, 
I, I know some of you are going, I can't believe you, that you struggle with, with things like that. Well, I'm just flesh and blood. I'm, I, I got here skin and bones and hopefully a lot of the Holy Spirit. But every one of us are dealing with something like that, right? It's a, it's a deal. And so you have to know those seasons. Some of you need to turn off certain social media sites right now because they're just sucking the life out of you. When you go there, you never leave encouraged. You never leave uplifted. You walk away depressed and discouraged about the world. Some of you need to eliminate some friendships because they're doing nothing but harming you and tearing you down. Some of you need to dial in some better friendships. Some of you need to dial, up some, dial in things that give you life. If certain social media th- things are bringing you closer to God and making you a better person, dial it in. Let me tell you what you need to be. Everybody needs to be dialing in God's word every day. Why? Because it's speaking truth into your life from a voice that knows you better than anyone else that loves you and wants to shape your life to give you abundant life. Some of you need to dial in experiences that speak truth into your life, that bring you closer to God, to others. Make you a better person. We come here on Sunday mornings to worship the creator of the universe who has saved us, who wants to speak truth into our lives and shape us with a purpose and meaning to shape our destinies. We need to be dialing that voice in as a family. For your children, I want to encourage you to dial in Kid Quest and to dial in Reckless and to dial in Revolution. Dial in groups. Life's better in circles than in rows. We get a chance to really pour ourselves out. But there are seasons where in all of us we need to dial some things in and dial some things out. And then the third thing is this. What do we do with all these voices? You have to learn to preach the truth to yourself every day. Now, I want to teach you how to do that. And it's real simple. You replace lies with truth, and then you preach those truths to yourself every single day. Now, here's a lie that Satan and even the culture outside sometimes will tell you. That your identity comes from what you have done and what you look like. That's a lie. Because here's the truth. Your identity comes from what Christ has done for you. Lie. Your identity comes from what people say about you. Here's the truth. Your identity comes from what God says about you. Here's a lie. Your behavior tells you what to believe about yourself. So if you have sinned or if you've done something bad, you believe you're trashy, you believe you're worthless, you believe you're unlovable, you believe you're unforgivable. But the truth is, your belief about yourself determines your behavior. So what do you know about yourself? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have been saved, if you have been born again, whatever you want to, however you want to call it, what does God say about you? What's the truth? What's, what's, What's the voice you need to listen to today? Here's what God says about you. He says, you're accepted by me. You're loved by God, John chapter 3, verse 16. You're worth dying for, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. You are his child, John chapter 1, verse 12. You've been bought with a price, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. You're a member of the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. You have been actually adopted into God's own family, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. You have been forgiven, Colossians 1, 14. You are complete in Christ. In other words, he's more than enough for you, Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. 
You're secure in Christ. You're not just accepted, but you're secure. You are free from God's wrath, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. You cannot be separated from God's love, Romans chapter 8, verse 35 and 39. You can be confident that God is not done working in your life, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. You're already a citizen of heaven, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. You've not been given a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1, 7. You can always find grace and mercy when you need it most because you can come boldly into the throne room of God with confidence. Chapter he- Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. You belong to God. In other words, Satan cannot have you or touch you, 1 John 5, 18. So you're accepted, you're secure, but you're also significant in his eyes. He says you're the salt and light of the earth, Matthew 5, 13 and 14. You're a branch of the true vine, John chapter 15, verse 5. You have been chosen and anointed by God, every single one of you, to bear spiritual fruit, John chapter 15, verse uh, 16. You've been commissioned to be a personal witness for Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians three sixteen. You're God's workmanship. You're a masterpiece, Ephesians 2, 10. You can approach God with freedom and confidence, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. And you can do all things through Christ who has given you strength, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. What do I do with all that? You preach it to yourself every morning. And then you preach it through the rest of the day. And then when you put your head on your pillow at night and all the lies are swirling around in your head and you can't go to sleep at night, you preach it to yourself at night until you go back to sleep. And you wake up again and you look at your day and you're thinking all this junk and you got voices that are just starting again, and you preach it to yourself once again. See, when you truly believe these truths, you will get to the place where every other voice has to run through this filter. And if they don't match up, you dial them out because they are a lie. But you you have to preach this to yourself every day. It's preaching the gospel to yourself. Why? Because the voices never stop. And they change. And as more social media becomes available, it gets more enticing and more appealing and you have more voices speaking. But the truth of God's word and God's voice never changes. Why is that so important? Because your life will be a reflection of the voices you listen to and how you allow them to impact you. One of the songs that I love that we do here at Westridge, I think we did it at camp, it's Good Good Father. I so wish that they would have written this song in 2004 after I lost my dad because there were so many voices that were coming into my head over that time period. But one of the things in the first verse, it says, I, I hear what others say about you. I hear what others say about you. All the voices out there that say about you. But it says, I've heard a tender whisper myself, which I know to be true. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. And who I am, I'm loved by you. So we're going to sing that together in worship. And I want you to bow your heads. Father, 
voices. We have them just constantly dealing with them, coming to us at mock speed all the time. And we only have so much capacity to take things in. May we learn this morning to replace lies with truth, the truth of what Jesus has done for us. Lord, because all of those things that we just mentioned, they're all true because of Jesus. And you're a good, good father. It's who you are. And we're loved by you. It's who we are. If you're here today, you've never trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior because there's voices that, have, that are saying to you, work hard to get it, or you're, you, because you were you know, raised in a Christian family, you've got it, or because you go to this church, you've got it. No, 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 no. It's only through the shed blood of Jesus and by putting your faith and trust in Him alone and by receiving His gift of salvation can you truly know God and made things be made right with Him and where you can truly receive forgiveness not by works, so no, no one can boast. If you'd like to pray with me right now to receive salvation, to receive forgiveness, to go from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive, I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord, at this very moment, I put every bit of my faith and my trust in you and what, in what Jesus has done for me on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus is the Son of God, and I receive into my life salvation. Saved from a life without you, saved from an eternity in hell, and I put all my faith in that. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins today. Thank you. Thank you for grace. With heads still bowed, if you just prayed that, why don't you get out your Get Connected card, check a box on there that tells us you did that, take it to the Help Center. We want to help you to take your next step on your journey with Christ. Lord, for the rest of us as we stand right now to worship you, may we be reminded that you're a good father. It's just one of the many truths, and we're loved by you. One of the many truths about you. And may we go out of here with a powerful, solid voice in our lives, knowing who we are in Christ. And may we preach those words to ourselves every morning, every day and every night and thank you because all of that's true about us because of Jesus and it's in Jesus name we pray amen let's stand and worship